Hey guys, I am Caleb Giddings. And I'm Keith Finch. And welcome to Gunday Brunch episode, The ATF is at it again. <laughs> because the ATF is at it again. I feel like, Keith, we just recorded an episode talking about uh, the the tomfoolery with 80% receivers. And what was it, two days ago? So we're recording this on the 8th. Yesterday, the 7th, the ATF released their proposed guidance for stabilizing braces and after they got btfo the last time they tried this yeah they uh they got tko'd in the comments section last time and they just straight up shut it down uh this is round two of this fight it's a fight that we knew was coming around again let's not it's pretend more like, anyone anyone uh this is more like round seven of this fight yeah but that but this is this is round two of the most recent edition of this fight. Like we've gone Fair. back and forth, but it was usually with manufacturers and everything like that. This is the second attempt at publicly making a rule regarding pistol stabilizing braces. And we'll give you the short version if you don't want to listen to the entire episode. I encourage you guys to, but the short version is they want everything to be an SBR now. Yeah. They want the... everything to be an SBR now. Yes, to put it very mild, to, to put it very mildly, the way that the proposed rule is written, which as of right now is not posted on the federal register, it usually takes them a good couple of weeks from the time they post these things on the ATF website, which is where it's at right now, uh, up until the time that they get posted on the federal register for us to comment on. Uh, we will later on in the episode disc- discuss strategies for commenting, um, but. I absolutely agree that the way the proposed rule is written and the way the worksheet is structured, which I'll have you explain the worksheet here just in just a second. Oh, the, the worksheet's work- fantastic. It's, the worksheet's fantastic. It's it, so bad. <laughs> it gives away... It, this isn't one of those things where, like with 80% receivers, you could almost look at it as them just being like, we're trying to clarify an existing rule. With this, it is absolutely clear that the intent of this is to have all pistol braced firearms recategorized as nfa items period like that's it, it is. that is there's the no question there is no question and so, starting out this i want to uh bring everyone if you bring up the document it's 71 pages there's a lot to this it's huge but starting out on page eight it they give they give away the secret early And page eight, there's a paragraph that says, because short-barreled rifles are among the firearms considered unusual and dangerous, that's language used in the NFA, subjecting them to regulation under the NFA, it it is especially important that such weapons be properly classified. And then they add, indeed, firearms with stabilizing braces have been used in at least two mass shootings with the shooters in both instances, reportedly shouldering the brace as a stock, demonstrating the efficacy as short-barreled rifles of firearms equipped with such braces. Mind so they're using, the, they're using the fact that just two, just two instances where braced firearms were used for horrific acts makes them subject to the NFA, therefore they're suitable, they're uh, considered unusual and dangerous. And so I'm wondering when they get around to the rest of the firearms that have also yeah. been used in horrific So, cars. and that does raise a question because I know the guy in Colorado who shot up that supermarket recently used one, but mm-hmm. I don't, 
I don't know of the other one. I, I cannot off the top there of was, my head. Uh, there was, I forget where it was, but it was the nightclub shooting. It was, it was the, it was the, oh, nightclub the Orlando shooting. Pulse, not, not Pulse. It was, he only shot. It was a very, very quick one. He only shot a few people outside the club, but he rolled in there with like a surefire 100 or a D60 or something and, and a uh, pistol. He got quickly stopped by the cops because the cops were nearby. But he rolled in there with an AR pistol. I can't remember where it was. Probably so that, why that I've never heard sure of it. Second one that they're referencing. Interesting. So we've got braces have been used in two. Uh, so uh, this is this is interesting too because again, to it's it's easy to compare this to the eighty percent receiver thing, where they're looking at thirty five thousand some odd receivers that have been recovered in or around the scene of a crime, you know, obviously not directly linked to crimes necessarily, but with braces, we have two. Yeah, we have, we, because these were used twice for terrible, horrific acts. uh, And and the fact that there is disregarding the fact that they are a super common item nowadays, there are millions of these things in circulation. The ATF um, even admits so, in the doc that there's like at least 3 million in circulation. And if you go to the end of the document, they actually talk about the, some of the extra pages of the document that most people won't read are things that are required by a congressional act when a proposed rule could have more than a $100 million economic impact on businesses. And the funniest thing about this, and we won't spend too much time about this, but there's a line in there where they say that the estimated cost to the consumer of us to replace two pistol-braced firearms with uh, to register them on the NFA and to put traditional stocks on them or whatever, they say the estimated cost to do two guns is $132. And I was like, what, how the, fr- it's $200 a stamp. And then if you keep reading, they're like, we don't count the cost of the stamp in this because that's not a consumer cost, it's a tax. And I was like, the fuck you're Oh, they did it again. Get the fuck out. Tax this dick. And that was, uh, as an aside, uh, that was the... We don't <laughs> We don't count the taxes in this, despite the fact that the taxes are three times what the estimated cost will be. Dear God. There was another note in there in the, the that section that I did want to cover, actually, before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes of this, which is... The ATF is reading our comments and not just the ones that were posted on the original brace rule. Because if you guys remember, the original brace rule suggested an amnesty to register Mm -hmm. all of these uh, pistol brace firearms on the NFA and that it would waive the $200 tax for that amnesty. And me and everybody who read that was like, oh shit, SBR amnesty. And I was, I, I don't, so I don't currently own any NFA items. My plan was to buy a whole bunch of receivers and register them as SBRs and under the amnesty. And then I'd have like six NFA receivers for me to do whatever I wanted with. Yeah. And um, then you would have to pay the 200 or, or the 200 bucks and deal with that. I have two NFA items uh, that I have personal stamps for both SBRs. And the first one took seven months to process and obviously $200. Mm-hmm. Second one took 13 to process and $200. That's a long time to pay for a $200 service, my guy. Like, Yeah. So 
And the, so I wasn't the only one who had that thought. And lots of people had that thought and posted about it online. And in mm-hmm. like page 60 something of the document, the ATF has their list of, here's the list of solutions we thought of that we've rejected. And it specifically calls out why they rejected the waiving the $200 tax. And the reason was because people would go out and buy a bunch of receivers and register them as NFA items for free. They, they would they would be like, oh yeah, man, SBRs, all the things. Yeah. I mean, I would have. And like, it, right. Because for free, I'm like, yeah, hang on. Let's make it rain SBRs in this piece. Right. But, I will. I will all the SBRs like, sure. Cool. You know, my serial number. Awesome. Cool story, bro. Um, but I get SBR and all the all the funness that comes with the SBR. I can put stocks and grips and all this other garbage on it without any problems. I'll take that. I'll, I'll okay. take that trade right now. And then I can still work to abolish the NFA tomorrow. Like no point system, which. Let's get to that. So Ooh, the, the point system, the, the, the guts of this rule that we're really going to get into is what the ATF wants to do is institute a worksheet with a point system for determining whether or not a brace equipped pistol is actually a short barreled rifle. And it's very similar to, well, it's not very similar. It is similar in intent to the point system that importers have to use right now to determine whether or not a firearm they're importing has a sporting purpose, all of which, of course, is unconstitutional. And once again, for the second time this episode, tax this dick, fed boy. But um, so talk about the worksheet, because you actually have, you know, you've you've worked for an FFL. uh, You know, I've worked for FFLs. We've worked for SOTs and all of that stuff. So talk a little bit about this worksheet and why it's a hot mess. The worksheet is a hot mess. I mean, it on the surface of it, on the surface, worksheet 4999, which is is the form that they're using. Uh, ATF worksheet 4999 is supposed to be this direction for manufacturers to make sure that they're still in line with with uh, with the fact that, oh, no, these are braced pistol firearms. These are braced firearms and not just a workaround for an SBR. And so they came out with the worksheet 4999 and you have section one, the prerequisites. So to be considered a braced firearm, first of all, the weapon must weigh at least 64 ounces. So immediately, all the pistol braces that went on traditional pistols, so anything you could attach to a Glock, like uh, the Roni kits or the Flux brace or any of those things, those are all now gone. Well, I don't know about the Roni kit. Like not to, I mean, because the Roni kit, you stick the Glock into it. And I feel like the, because the kit has the break, see this, we're already in the freaking we're already, we already, we already have think, a problem. Yeah. Cause a Glock I don't, inside I don't of a Roni, the Roni kit probably I don't think the Roni over. kit would, and I don't think, and I'm pretty sure I'd have to, I'd have to scroll back down and, and read the uh, section one prerequisites in the, in the rules following. Uh, this is page 16 in the proposed rule right now is the worksheet. So the weapon must weigh 64 ounces. And as I read it, it is the weight with magazine unloaded and accessories removed. And I'm right, assuming and the Roni kit the is Roni an accessory. An accessory. Yeah. So say goodbye to your flux braces, your Roni braces, all of those things. Every, those everything are all SBRs. is now immediately gone. And rule two also knocks all those out too, because the weapon must have an overall length between 12 and 26 inches. So no more standard handguns uh, that have a brace kit on it, or 
in, unless you turn them into NFA SBRs. Like right. you, you can put all you can put all the the cool stuff back on it, but again, everything in this rule sheet is just designed to make you SBR. It's designed to make them all NFA items. Which I would just. I'm- and I, I, while still while still maintaining the illusion that like oh no we like braces are totally cool guys yeah yeah but except for the fact and i think it is interesting that in this thing they actually give examples of like here's a braced pistol that would be totally legal guys and it would be awesome and it's the most vanilla piece of crap i've ever seen and then they give and two other bro- examples which aren't even like that tricked out one of them was hideous the one with the big broomstick foregrip yeah. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure that's an aow anyways so yep. but all right so let's get on so section two describes the brace characteristics itself right mm-hmm. and for it to not be an sbr it has to score less than four points on this section yep. so let's you talk about four. the points yep. yeah you bust four you're you're a you're a rifle and if you're not- br- not just bust four, four or more. It's got to yep. be less than four. Yep. So you can only score a total of three points. So the first section is accessory design. And the accessory design is uh, no points if it is not based on a known shoulder stock design. Because that's not vague. Then a single point if it incorporates shoulder stock design features. And what you is get a shoulder point. stock design feature? Like it's the shoulder like, thing. That... Yeah. And then it and then it's two points automatically. So two-thirds of the like two-thirds of your available points to not be not be knocked and immediately uh, be determined as a shoulder fire. Two of your three available points that you can use if it's based on a known shoulder stock design. So any of the SB braces that remotely look like Magpul stocks or anything like that are out immediately. Gone. They're I gone. Mean, not gone because they add. They have two points, but yeah. yes, they're yeah, not yet. Not yet. But then we get to the far more reasonable rear surface area definitions. So if the device incorporates features to prevent use as a shouldering device, no points. I don't know what those features really are. So like spikes that yeah, I put on the back of my like thing to make it less comfortable? If you would injure yourself by shouldering it, no points. So, you know, stick a, stick a rear-facing bayonet to it and you're good. can poke a little tiny bayonet into the QD on the new Magpul ones. Speaking of those Magpul ones, minimize rear surface area lacking features to discourage shouldering is one point. And they specifically point out the bladed type braces as kind of these one point uh, braces. Mm -hmm. So being that Magpul's braces are these bladed type and therefore one point, and they're also based on a known shoulder stock design, they're already at three points and we're only in two categories. Yeah. And then we move to uh, the two-point thing, which is rear surface useful for shouldering a firearm. I'm not sure what useful is. Maybe, I don't know, comfortable, remotely comfortable. I don't know. They don't don't even have like square, you know, two square inches of available material, an inch and a half half square inch of available material. There's no actual numbers attached to any of these things. There's no design parameter that's based on a number in this rear surface area, it's all very subjective. And then the the three point one, automatically three points is material added to increase rear surface area for shouldering. And that one, 
that one's weird too. So oh, speaking of the uh, Magpul braces, they're actually out because I'm looking at their website right now. And one of the features that the ATF mentions as a stock feature, like a feature of a stock is uh, QD sling attachments and the Magpul brace is a QD sling attachment in the back. So it's gone. It's got, it's a, four yeah, points. It's got, a, it's got a QD sling attachment uh, on the rear end. And most, a lot of the new braces have QD sling attachment points. Um, Mag, Magpul was very, very much trying to make sure that there, what, theirs was definitively a brace by putting it on the rear side. So you could, you know, forward push and still have a retention design on the sling. Apparently, if your sling is still attached underneath and to the receiver of the firearm, that's good. But because the sling, uh, the QD point is on the rear, Which, um, we're still hold on. Out. A QD attachment on the rear would actually make the rifle less comfortable to shoulder. So yeah. that, to me, that would say that that discourages shoulder. And ladies and gentlemen, we've hit maybe, on maybe maybe we're problem. going back to now. Now it might even knock that rear surface area down to a zero, but I don't know. It's a QD sling attachment point, and they said that's bad. So, so and you, this is the whole problem that we have with this rule. We're in section two of three, and what is purported to be a definitive way to determine whether or not a firearm is an <clears throat> SBR or a braced pistol. You, I don't know. Is it? Is it not? <laughs> we have one product that we have looked at where the conclusive answer is <laughs> the conclusive answer is there is no conclusive answer. Exactly. They just want everything to be an NFA item. Every everything about this worksheet boils down to that. They just want them all on the NFA, and this is their push to make it so. So let's get to number next, three. The next part of section. Oh, yeah, two. that's right. We're still on two. We're still in section two. We've only covered two of the four areas in section two. The next one is adjustability, which has come out recently with the Magpuls and the SBAs and some of the uh, other designs like the uh, tail hook and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that, which would already be scoring points. Remember, you can't get four points. And most, most designs that we're looking at would probably have three already. Yeah. And we still do more. And so adjustability, a non-adjustable fixed design, no points. But if it's adjustable or telescoping at all, regardless of the length of pull, if it's adjustable or telescoping at all, two points. Oh, yeah. I forgot that's a two point. That's the two-pointer. Yep. Well, two and we're done. Yep. And you're out. You're out for pretty much everything. Then you go to the stabilizing support. You have a counterbalance design, non-folding or counterbalance design that folds, uh, creating rear contact surface. That's zero or one point. Uh, fin types with and without arm straps for zero R2. Um, cuff types, which are like the original SBM4, um, that fully wrap around the arm is a zero. Partially wrap around the arm is a one. Cuff design that fails to wrap around the arm is two points. And they consider the SBA3 as one that fails to wrap around the arm, despite the fact that it can get around my arm. Like, I don't, I, just, I don't see, yeah. I don't see how it fails. And then they have something called a split stock configuration, which is automatically three points. So the split stock example would be uh, like the one on the honey badger where yes, yes. it goes, it doesn't fully encircle the arm and it just kind of like splits out and you jam your arm into it and then wrap it and up. Wrap it up yep. And so, and then uh, on the end of this page, section two must score less than four in order for, to proceed to section three and nothing nothing will proceed to section three. 
Except yeah, us. The, yeah, we'll go to section three. Now, interestingly, in the examples that they gave, they called out the SB Mini as being able to make it into section three. So mm -hmm. of all of the brace types, you could probably squeeze the fin braces in there if you have a strap attached to it mm -hmm. and the original SB15 brace and then the, I guess the SB Mini, but that still doesn't mean you're in because depending on how that sucker is attached and if you have an ACOG on your gun, for example, which let's get to yeah. section three. Section three, configuration of weapon. And this is what basically boils down to everything is going to be an NFA item because you get into section three and it's just like, okay, there's no, there's nothing you can do to the gun uh, that won't get you four points in this section because you're limited to four points in this one as well. Mm -hmm. So first of all, length of pull with accessory and rear most locked position. So I'm, I'm guessing the furthest out position is what they're meaning there. Yeah. And if it's less than 10 and a half inches length of pull, you score a zero. But if it's 13 and a half or over, remember, it was originally 13.75. 13.75 was their magic number. Now they've changed it to 13 and a half. 13 and a half and over length of pull, automatic four. And then there's every inch in between those is down to three, two, one, and then back at 10 and a half, less than 10 and a half is zero. Your attachment method, a standard slick AR pistol buffer tube, which they say is between six and six and a half inches, no points. But an AR-type pistol tube buffer with adjustment notches, like the CAC type, the ones that got the little dimples so that you can fix the CAC brace at a comfortable length for you, because, you know, you might want to size it to your arm and place it in a comfortable place on your forearm. Right. What a novel freaking idea. I actually had, as a, getting into that real briefly, I had a pistol braced 9mm uh, AR-type pistol with one of those adjustable PDW-style braces, and I found that in mm -hmm. the fully closed position, it would it would it hit right where my arm started to get a little bit thicker and was really uncomfortable. But if I fully extended it, it would actually hit the meaty bits of my arm and would be a lot more comfortable to use. Mm -hmm. But uh, that that brace, by the way, would oh that gun in the configuration that it was sent to me by CMMG would one hundred percent be an SBR under this uh, guideline. By the way, yeah, no no doubt. So you go to that back to that the attachment method. So they do the pistol tube, then you do the cac pistol tube. And then adjustable rifle buffer tube. I'm not sure what that is. Then the adjustable PDW type uh, guide rail. So probably similar to what mm -hmm. uh, was riding on that or what I had on my SBR because I had one of the Maxim style uh, stocks. And I originally bought that as a brace kit and bought the stock body after. It was already an SBR, so I could put the stock on it, no problem. But I bought it originally as a brace kit and that brace kit was super comfy. Get a lot, I'm not gonna lie. It was super comfy, and I could use my little LWRC pistol one handed, and that was the most comfortable I ever had. But again, my gun 100% would be an SBR under all these new rules. Oh, yeah, for sure. I could comfortably shoot it one handed. So then you go to extended air type pistol buffer tubes and folding anything within a folding adapter. So if you want to put a law tactical folder on it in order to uh, facilitate making it fit in a smaller package, uh, that's an automatic two points. Um, any use of spacers to extend the length of pull, which the uh, rifle buffer tube, for those wondering, the M16A2 stock automatically uses a spacer. So anything that would use that tube and use that spacer automatically two points there. Yeah. 
which also it's already on an adjustable stock tube. So now it's four points, I think. Do you get Probably. double points for that? You might get double points. Yeah, because if it checks any one of these, you get the points. Uh, and then modified shoulder stock with rear replaced by stabilizing brace. So any of the options that currently use a tail hook, but can also swap out like CZ has uh, a lot of these designs for the Scorpion. You can swap mm -hmm. out the end of a CZ stock and that assembly can instead be replaced with tail hook parts and do that. And I have a uh, Robinson Armament uh, XCRL that does the same thing. Their rear stock assembly you can pull off the back half of the stock assembly and put on a brace assembly instead, which is an ease of manufacture type thing. It's parts compatibility. And, but that's automatically three points. So I mean, right at the limit, right there. Of all of those, and it's that's the, so. of all of those, that's the only one that almost makes sense. Like based, and, and I'm not defending the ATF. I still think this rule sucks, but if you were going to put any rule in there, that would fall in line with their sort with previous ATF rulings about readily able to be assembled into, you know, like if you have like uh, machine gun parts in your house near a non-machine gun, you have a machine gun, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And so that of all of the crap in, in here, that's the only one. That. Yeah, that's the we're, only we're, one that makes sense a little bit, but it's one little thing that's still wrong and still unconstitutional in a whole ocean of nonsense yeah it's the one that approaches logic mm -hmm, it's the, yeah it, it's it's one that approaches logic actually actually this next one attachment method creates an unusable aim point so however the brace attaches the pistol there's no way to hold it out one-handed use the sights and actually shoot the firearm properly that one also approaches logic but it's thrown in with all the rest of this garbage and, and like the the eye relief one, because the next couple, because the next one is like scopes, right? Like yep. if you have a 3X yep. magnifier. Yep. So like those, again, those are actually approaching logic because if I, because I have seen braced pistols with LPVOs on them and I'm mm -hmm. like, come on, man. And uh, you know, yep. you do you boo. Like, I don't give a crap. It's not my life. You do, you obey whatever laws you see fit, but in the spirit of not poking the bear, I always felt like putting an LPVO on a braced pistol was a little bit too much poking the bear. But you know, I, actually, hey. I actually, back when the, we weren't discussing this nonsense, put a 1.8 to 10 precision optic on a braced pistol. Hell because yeah. Screw it. It was funny. Yeah. But well, and now, that's the thing too. I also do like it. Now that's automatic because I put a rifle scope on it. Now it's automatically indicating that. Oh, I'm intending to shoulder. This is this is now intended for shouldering. No, I I intended to be funny. I took a picture and took the scope back off. It was clearly yeah. ridiculous for the use. However, immediately immediately that's a rifle classification because I put a a item on it that has an eye relief requirement, and that's mm -hmm. that's automatic four points. It's right here in peripheral accessories. If you put a hand stop on it, remember hand stops were a okay. Now they're now not, they're not. So they, okay. Automatically two points. Presence of a secondary grip. The whole argument about, well, you could do an angled grip or you could do, you know, vertical grips were right out. Those were automatically AOWs. Um, unless you had a firearm instead of a short enough firearm and all the, all the other garbage that got into definitions. If you have a secondary grip of any type, angled or not, automatic four points, it's now, a, it's now an SBR. 
presence of rifle type backup or flip up sites or no sites. So any site that would require you to, you know, get up and use it in a traditional no sites. Like, I, that's yeah, like, no so sites. I can't ship you a bare no bones sites. gun. That means I have to now ship you a gun with a you have to, you have red to, dot on it with or or with some goober package uh, of sites. Like maybe maybe everyone makes a cheap set of like H and K style uh, with a fixed drum rear that's just the notch and so, then a front yeah. sight. Yeah. So oh, like man. you know who's gonna a, kill just it? Ter- yeah. Excess sights with their offset irons that use the yes. express style V notch. Yep. Every yep. rifle should now come with those. Every, every rifle is going <laughs> to excess is going to make so much money. I have a set of those sitting on my bench right now. Perfect excess. You <laughs> guys are going. You guys are going to make bank on this. Everyone else is hosed, but they're going to be all right. Oh so yeah, so the presence of presence of rifle type backup sites. So all the common sites that are already supposed to be going on these or no sites is one point. Presence of a reflex sight with a magnifier is two points. So reflex sight with a magnifier is two points, but anything with eye relief that is incompatible with one-handed fire is immediately four points. So if you do put an actual scope scope on it, it's got to be a long eye relief scope. Yeah. Which Which a few of of those out there do exist. Yeah. You could put a scout scope. Well, now what you could put a scout scope on one. Uh, yeah. and you know, kind of like with the, like, hold it way out here, scout scope style or a handgun scope, mm-hmm. like a, like you could put, you know, the scopes that are designed for re- hunting revolvers and stuff on there. I mean, mm-hmm. just put a red dot on it because that works with everything. But yeah, the, again, the red dot is like the only thing you can do. So, and, and then, uh, presence of a bipod or a monopod. So if you want to zero this thing, you, you can't put a bipod sandbags. on it. Zero. Nope. You got to use sandbags. You got to use a bag. Uh, but a bipod or a monopod, monopod, I don't know, might extend to the Magpul monopod, the Magpod might. So that might be an automatic two points if you use a Magpod magazine. Like immediately, it might be immediately an additional two points if you got a Magpod magazine. So be be careful. And then the final one is the weapon is configured weighing more than uh, 120 ounces, which is seven and a half pounds. If the gun weighs more than seven and a half pounds, all decked out, um, but with an unloaded magazine, not a loaded one, um, right. it, it, it's immediately gone. So like my little LWRC is a chonky rifle. It's a chonky little SBR. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it checks out at more than, more than seven and a half, uh, with kitted. And I don't have anything particularly crazy on it. It's running. Sure most yeah. of the uh, pistol brace pistols I've seen, kid you know balance out at about what you would get an m4 for which is around seven seven and a half pounds yep. you know yep, especially when you put lights on them and shit yeah because you in reality most of those the only definitive difference between them and their rifle configurations is about six and six inches of steel in the barrel and then some of the commiserate handguard. so whatever weight you you save with that that's all that's the only weight you're saving uh, so if you, if you want to put an IR laser on it, well, you might be pushing the weight limit. If you want to put a red dot magnifier on, on it in, or in addition to getting your two points for doing that, you are now pushing your weight limit. So like I've got, I've got, uh, an aim point comp M5 on my little LWRC. Now that's already an SBR. So it doesn't matter for this classification, but if we were playing it like, okay, well, it's a pistol, um, 
I like everything on that has scored the shit out of this, this worksheet. And so it's, it's an SBR. Luckily I paid the tax on that one already. Right. So Literally, it doesn't SBR. matter to this worksheet for me, but like it, there's, there's no configure. There's no firearm out there right now. That's, that's going to score the four points. No. And I Nothing. think, and to your point, that is the, that's the thing, like the, the way the document is written, the way it's put together, the way everything in it is structured, the purpose is clearly to reclassify the vast majority of brace equipped firearms that are out there as NFA items, as short barrel rifles. And, you know, this is the, the portion of the, the event where this is the ATF's fault to begin with, because if they had invested even the slightest amount of time and money into streamlining the NFA process so that people who wanted short barrel rifles could have just bought them and registered them and done all of that. This never would have been an issue to begin nope. with. If I could buy there a short barrel rifle industry, there wouldn't, yeah. there would not yeah. have been a brace industry. So like, you know, let's take Caleb's Libertopia Paradise, where we can buy unregistered machine guns and, you know, out of the equation for a minute. In the real world that we live in, where we have laws, where we have an NFA, where we have, you know, Gun Control Act firearms. And if you accept that buying an NFA item should be harder than buying a Gun Control Act firearm, sure, whatever. All right. We have to. I, I understand that this is the sort of thing that gets people very frothing at the dick, it but does. we you have to accept that there is a legal framework that we live in. All right. So if we accept those things, if the ATF had taken the NFA process and said, okay, here's the process. You got to do your fingerprints, but it's digital and they get sent in and everything's done electronically. And we run your background check through and for the record, the background check that they do uh, at the for these is they run a NICS check, then they run a local agency check where they'll call, you know, where they'll have the local law enforcement agency where you live run your background. And that's it. OK, there is no reason registering an NFA item should take 13 months. None whatsoever. Zero. But you, if you, you should be able you should be able to have a turnaround in a couple of days. Like this, this should be no longer, this should be no longer than a work background check. It should two, let, let's call it two business weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Like if the NFA wait time was two business weeks, 10 business days, this, the brace industry wouldn't exist because the, and the ATF is right in one thing in that many, many people bought braces to subvert the NFA. The reason they did that is because you made the NFA pointlessly take to pointlessly uh, an arg an arduously pointless process it's it, it's egregiously it, long it's so ridiculously long a you have to pay a, a solid chunk of money let's not pretend that 200 dollars yeah. in a day's dollars isn't like hey that'll fill up my gas tank four times hey that that's a really nice out for me and my family uh going doing something it's not an insubstantial amount of money but it's also not a ridiculous amount of money anymore uh but paying that and then having to wait between half a year and over a year, just depending on whenever they get to your form in a process that in 
every other reasonable way we've found to run background checks, run, run digital checks, uh, check records, transfer ownership of stuff like your vehicle, which transfers owners and titles and everything like that. All these similar processes happen astronomically faster than the NFA does. And there's I no can, reason for I can, well, I can go and buy a car, which I can kill a lot more people with than a gun in given your average circumstances. In East France. Yeah, exactly. I can go buy a, I can go buy, yeah, the, the process for licensing and registration, any other thing that is dangerous takes way less time than the NFA, but the NFA is intentionally been left with this 1970s level of paperwork efficiency where everything still has to be done by hand at some point and there's a guy who looks at it and blah, 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 and all of this. And again, if it wasn't like that, this problem wouldn't have exist, but the ATF created this problem for themselves. And now their solution to fix it is to make the thing that created the problem even worse. Because if one million rule brought us here, let's make the rule more complicated. Right. Because if 1.5 million people that own braced pistols go out and try to register these with ATF, how long do you think that's going to take? You think ATF wait times are bad now? Wait till they get a million and a half new registrations in a day. What do you think is going to happen? It's and, and how many of those are going to have errors and how many of those are going to have kickbacks and how much how much wasted time is going to be involved? Like I, I know at the end of this rule, they have to do like time estimates and cost estimates and labor estimates. And I oh, just crap. laugh at how freaking under underscored that they they think this this will only cost us this like the hell it will. You're gonna be working overtime literally forever. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not gonna work any overtime at all. Are you exactly. the the and again? So this is the problem. So at the core of it, aside from so here are some objections to put. Oh, actually, before I get into objections to put into your comments that we can eventually submit at regulations.gov, I do want to hit on one other thing that they like snuck in there and you didn't even know. And most people will not even notice, but I noticed because I like shotguns. Mm-hmm. And they said, if you put and they, they do not say this word for word, but they basically said that if you put a brace on a Mossberg shotgun or, or a Mossberg shockwave, or Remington TAC-14, you've created a short barrel shotgun or any other weapon. And the reason why they say that is because those guns were never designed to be fired with one hand. The purpose of a brace is to fire a gun with one hand. And by putting a brace on a shockwave or a TAC-14, you are creating a thing to shoulder it with, thus creating a short barrel shotgun or on any other weapon. And they just kind of like snuck that little guy in there. And I was all... to, we're not gonna. We're just gonna drive past that. We're not gonna stop and yep, talk about. They, that. they they tossed that one in there the same way that they cut off the flux and and the Roni and all that. Like they mm-hmm. they cut off so many products that are already out there, straight at the knees that that people already have. They're already in circulation, and it's like, look, you can't put this genie back in the bottle, guy. Um, I I hope for your sake, everyone is feeling compliant and like shelling out money for all these. The formerly just regular firearms that are now $200 taxable firearms. And they put this one in here too. It's on page 29. And they, they sneak this one in here as a catch-all. 
even if a weapon accrues less than four points in each section, which we've just demonstrated, is really fucking Almost hard. impossible. It's, it's nearly impossible. Attempts by a manufacturer or maker, makers meaning you or me, or anyone here listening to it, you can be considered a maker, uh, to circumvent federal law by attaching purported stabilizing braces in lieu of shoulder stocks may result in classification of those weapons as rifles and short-barreled rifles. While some manufacturers have recognized that there is a market advantage in designing and selling short-barreled rifles as pistols to customers seeking to avoid tax and registration requirements, hey guys, you, you, you created this problem and everyone was like, okay. Yeah, you did this. Yep, they go, stabilizing braces are not a method by which the federal statutes may be circumvented. Ha! Yeah, nice. so basically what that says in plain English is even if you design a stabilizing brace pistol combo that complies 100% with all of these rules and only scores two points in this section and two points in that section, we still may decide it's an SBR if we think you're trying to skirt the law with it. Yep. That's they what that says. They can just throw out the worksheet and say, nope, nope, we still think it's an SBR. Yeah. So objections to this that people can put in their comments. Again, the fact that it's going to be unnecessary, that it is still unnecessarily vague. And because they do not have, despite it purporting to be a clear criteria to define what is and is not a short-barreled rifle, it does not do that in, in any way, shape, or form. And the examples that they provide are ludicrous on their face and are clearly constructed to pander to their own document. So the fact that in 25 minutes, Keith and I were able to come up with, you know, multiple questions about existing products shows that this document is still unnecessarily vague. And we're talking about reasonable objections here, all right? You know, if you want to do what I did and write a funny acrostic poem that spells out tax this dick, by all means, go ahead. But you might you might be better pointing out reasonable things like this. Um, so it's still unnecessarily vague. It is still incredibly vague, and it does not actually provide any sort of sound framework for people who want to build these guns, whether they're manufacturers or people who want to build an at-home AR. Uh, the, uh, the next objection is that it doesn't actually address the core issue that caused all of this brace crap to begin with, which is the fact that the NFA takes forever. It doesn't do anything to address that. And in fact, will that, make the NFA is worse. And it yes. will automatically criminalize Anywhere from one, anywhere from, let, let's say the lowest, lowest number, a million people, anywhere from a million to five million gun owners who have these things set up, who as of right now are not committing a crime. This goes into effect. They are now committing a crime because they are in possession of an unregistered short barrel rifle. All right. And yes, the ATF says, okay, the easiest way to do this is just take the brace off your gun. Okay, cool. The brace is off my gun. Now I have to wait 13 months to register my thing that was legal yesterday that's illegal today. Are you serious? So the unnecessary criminalization of law-abiding gun owners, the fact that even once those law-abiding gunners attempt to register their gun, that may not work because the registration may get kicked back. There may be errors in it. They've never done this before. They're supposed to spend 13 months sitting around waiting for the ATF to do their job to fix problem the fucking ATF created in the first place. 
Sorry, this they, this one they, gets me a little wound up. I'm way, I'm actually way more wound up about this than eighty percent. They wrote themselves into this problem. This is entirely their doing. And now yeah. they're like, well, guys, in order to solve our problem, we're going to make it ten times worse. Yeah, in order to solve a problem, here this is. I, 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 this is quintessential government thinking. Oh, look at this problem we've created. How can we fix this problem? Let's make it harder on the people that we've created the problem for and make it their responsibility to fix our problem while doing nothing internally on our end to actually fix the problem, which, you know, is... Uh, that's, it's, that's it's a, government. That is government thought process right there. So, yeah, there are so many good reasons to object to this rule. It will get posted on the federal on the code of federal regulations at regulations.gov eventually. Probably, I whenever these go up, I just check every couple of days and I hit refresh and you know our search for ATF or whatever. But the the last one I think took about two weeks to make it there. So yeah, and you know also all of the pro gun media outlets that you follow will put something up on their social when it is open for comment. But again, you know this is. I will say this, this is not a, this, this isn't an unwinnable fight. Just like we, we won this, we won round one of this particular matchup. We managed to keep M855, you know? So there's a lot of things that we have won via comments. And the most important thing that we can do via comments is point out how this will criminalize several million law-abiding gun owners overnight and how it still doesn't provide objective standards. The standards are still- purporting to give us. They're purporting to give us objective standards that manufacturers and makers, you and I are makers, guys, um, it purports to give us an easy yes or no sheet. It doesn't. The sheet makes no sense. It's super subjective. So it doesn't accomplish all its goals. And that's the argument to make. When you're making these comments, you know, the, the tax this dick is, is a fantastic <laughs> fantastic way to go. Don't do it. that. That took for, me a while. For entertainment write. purposes, yes. But to make the comment reach and actually be effective in taking away this rule and saying, look, guys, this isn't what you promised. You promised us clear cut. This isn't clear cut. You promised making this work, making our, making it make sense. This doesn't do that. Make it do that. And we'll win this round too. Yep. And this is not, you guys have to understand, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this episode up on not a happy note. Even if we win this round, this fight's not over. All right. It's not. We, this fight will, this fight will not be over until there is a cultural there, until there is a cultural change in the ATF and a chain and not even just the ATF until there's a cultural change at the department of justice, which is why I want everybody who listens to this, because if he hasn't been voted on yet, contact your senators and urge them to vote no on the confirmation of David Chipman for director of the ATF. Because if you think it's bad when there's no director at the ATF, imagine how bad it be when there is a confirmed anti-gun advocate running the show. Gifford's center employees. Yeah. So, yeah, so make sure you contact your senators, tell them to oppose the nomination of that guy for ATF director. Get ready to write comments on this. It is a winnable fight, guys. Um, We won't tell you what to do if it does pass, because that's for every person to decide in their heart what they feel is right. Any last words, Keith? Other than that, I have to just announce that we have a new sponsor coming on board. Yes, that's right. And it is... 
guns.com. So thanks to guns.com for making this episode possible. And thanks to the rest of our guys that you saw at the start in our banner. Guns.com will get their own banner shortly. And they might get a cool ad read too. All right, guys, that's it. We're out. We will see you next week. Later.